welcome and let your journey to soul expansion begin. I'm your host, Kristen Kaczynski. This show will take you on a journey of expansion, encouraging you to release the limitations of your mind and lean into the wisdom of your soul. Remembering who you are on a soul level will help you release your conditioning, expectations, limiting beliefs, fears, and worries, and evoke a life expanded by your energetic alignment. Whether you're an entrepreneur who wants to grow your income and impact, or someone who knows in your heart of hearts that you're made for more, this podcast will help you awaken the power that's already inside of you, allowing you to attract an easy flow of money, clients, opportunities, and fulfillment. In each episode, you'll learn something new, expand your consciousness, and you'll walk away with a glimpse of what's truly possible for you. If you're ready to follow your soul's calling and live a more expansive life, you're in the right place. Welcome and let your journey to soul expansion begin. Hello and welcome back to the Soul Expansion Podcast. I'm Kristen Kosinski, and I am joined here by someone who I am so excited to bring to you, Todd White, founder of Dry Farm Wines, which if you've been following me on social media at all, you know that I have been a longtime fan of the company. You know, my background in business before I got into spiritual business coaching was definitely in the health niche. And I've always been interested in optimizing my health. And one thing that's just so amazing about Dry Farm Wines is Todd has been able to produce a company that brings you the highest quality, cleanest, organic, even lab tested for purity wines that I think exist on the market today. So I've been a long-term customer. I've been you know, a Dry Farm Wines customer, I think for three years now. Um, and it was pretty cool because you guys asked me to be a partner after I shared on social media about my love for this company. And he's just got an incredible story about how he started this business, um, and so much wisdom to share. So welcome, Todd. I'm so happy to have you here. Awesome. It's great to be here. It's going to be a little unpacking of soul expansion, conscious capitalism, why you should drink natural wine if you're going to drink. Uh, So just lots to talk about. Definitely. So something that I think is so interesting about your story as a business owner, and then I definitely want to talk more about the wine. Um, So you started this company when you were in a negative net worth state, when you had this kind of like colossal business failure. Um, And I remember you saying on another show that you woke up at 4am and you just like had this knowing that the business was done and that you had to kind of like pull the plug, so to speak. So can you share more about like what that moment was like when you realized something that you had poured your blood, sweat and tears into just wasn't working? Yeah, thanks for the reminder. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it seems like so long ago that I'd, even though it's been six years, maybe seven, but it seems, I guess, um, yeah, like going on seven, the end of this year, but it just seems so long ago that I'm I'm a little detached from it. But that being said, so my story is I've been self-employed since I was 17. So I've started a few companies. I've had some pretty, pretty big successes. And, um, and along the way, you know, some bumps. I mean, life is just not a straight line. It's this bumpy, squiggly thing that goes along. And, you know, some days are just better than others. And some deals are better than others. And ultimately, I mean, when we step back and look at it, I think, and I'll address your question about the, the epiphany that led to the closure of this business, but which was the most colossal failure of my adult life and sent me into a really spiraling depression of grief. Uh, how did I let this happen to myself, right? And so <clears throat> that was debilitating in and of itself, but the obstacle is always the way. And so... When we are faced with adversity, which requires resiliency, uh, if it's adverse enough, it requires resiliency. Usually adversities don't require a lot of resilience. They just require navigation, right? And so the majority of obstacles are not real setbacks. They're just distractions and noise, right, that we just have to kind of navigate around and figure out. But in all the cases of adversity, the result is generally 
a seed of equivalent or greater benefit for all adversities because they cause you to become creative and mm. they they're a pattern interrupt so success is really not very useful it's just a lot of shiny objects you know mm -hmm. it's it just not very useful it's this adversity these obstacles which become useful because they create indelible impressions upon your wisdom about how not to experience this pain again right mm. and so so that but in this particular case this had been a business that a i shouldn't have been in b i was doing it for some of the wrong reasons with some of the wrong people i mean most of your life will be defined by the people that you associate with and the people closest to you will have the greatest impact on the outcome of your life i was just in the wrong place doing the wrong thing with the wrong people mm. the result of that uh was pretty catastrophic and so you know, I had 40 employees at that time, and I was, um, the company was not yet out of money. It still had maybe a half a million dollars in the bank, but it was clear to me that I shouldn't move forward with the business. And so about four o'clock in the morning on a Thursday night, I was scheduled to uh, fly back to the east coast the business was based in atlanta i was scheduled to fly back to the east coast on monday thursday night four in the morning i just woke up like boom jumped out of the bed and it was just like this epiphany this is over i'm done and by the time i got there monday i had already laid off 40 people given them all severance packages paid all creditors and vendors and wound the thing down in a very orderly fashion what i was really committed to doing and a lot of entrepreneurs don't know when to say no so very often in life what you say no to is much more profound than what you say yes to and the more things we can say no to oftentimes just benefits our life particularly in minimizing and simplifying it but in this particular case you know it was clear to me that I, I, I was not going to be committed to making this work and that it was not holistically the right thing for me to do and that epiphany came with such thunder and certainty that by thursday morning and by the time i got there on monday i was living in california at the time by the time i got there on monday i'd already laid off 40 people given them packages and gotten the whole thing and by middle of the week it was done mm -hmm. and but, but one of the things i caution people about you know as entrepreneurs we it's hard you know because there's you never know when that you rarely know when that time is to give up if you will right yeah. because resiliency and kind of staying on point and keep blocking tackle and keep moving the infantry you know towards the front this is really important as we you know as we construct companies but very often people let it go to the very end when there's no money left people don't get paid vendors get hosed and it's just ugly you know and then there's assertions and all kinds of ugliness I I would only say I was grateful to have the epiphany to stop it before you know it sort of wound itself out that way I was committed to not doing that I didn't want that ugliness in my life yeah yeah and I know in that moment after you closed down the company, which it sounds like wasn't a good fit for your soul and like wasn't in, an, in alignment with what you were put on this earth to do anyway. So it was, you know, one of those blessing in disguise, so to speak. Um, you, you had a very dark time in your life, as I understand it, and meditation ended up being something that saved you and awakening to your greater potential is, is something that really changed things for you. Can you speak more about how you came to meditation and like maybe if there were any like profound experiences that you had as you started to continue to develop your spirituality well uh oh gosh there's just so much to say in such a short period of time because i've been <laughs> while i wasn't man while i wasn't meditating before you know i had spent a career following sort of self-help advice from people like w clement stone and napoleon hill and mm -hmm. who wrote think and grow rich and uh, tony robbins and so i had been you know manifesting uh we all do every day i had been manifesting and sort of using some of these tools as a guidance towards business success but the key missing part was the foundation of meditation 
and how a meditation aligns your purpose and silences the mind and allows you to really receive as mm. opposed to trying to get to. This, this is a big, this is a one central concept that's missing in the, you know, the kind of teachings of just manifestation, which is most of kind of success guru um, coaching is that, um, that you need to see your future before it exists, that you need to like will yourself into this, you manifest, you visualize, you have this kind of process for, for planning what's coming to you. And that's all true and it works. The problem is without the meditation piece, you end up in a life of striving instead of thriving. Yes. And what I, I mean by that, and most people, including me and my prior successes, most people achieve their goals through striving, certainly their financial achievements through striving. That's the tried and true method for which most people do it. The problem is that it's difficult and it's, it's not peaceful and it's not spiritual. It's, it's, it's very sluggish. It's like you're fighting your way through it just grabbing and picking and clawing what you can get until you have clawed enough to have something right yeah. this does work it's very unpleasant not very though. much fun though <laughs> no it's not fun at all and 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 and, and, it, and it involves a lot of anxiety and it involves a lot of analysis of other people and it involves a lot of speculation about what's going to happen here when in fact if you step back and you have a a, a, a practice of meditation and you can quiet the mind and quiet the egoic mind of ambition in that way. Now, I'm still ambitious, but just not in the same way. I'm ambitious around my purpose. I'm not ambitious around striving. So therefore, that allows you to thrive. It's very difficult to explain this to young people, and unfortunately, youth is wasted on the young. And so I have a lot of people your age or even younger who come to me for business counsel or advice. Universally, almost certainly, they don't take it, right? And because it's because it, it's 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 the opposite of what they think right and so they believe that they're going to be different and they can just work harder longer and faster to get ahead and again that method does work it's just very unpleasant on the other hand if we if we practice a now that doesn't mean this is all very complicated because it doesn't mean that you don't have to knock open that you don't have to knock on doors and occasionally kick one down. You know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't have to, to, to assert yourself in paying attention to the details. It does, you know, you, you can't just like, you see people kumbaya gonna sit back and just meditate all day. That's not, you're not going to achieve your goals that way. And the other problem with meditation that many A, A personality players believe is that if I meditate, I'm gonna lose my edge. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is a fear of a plus a players who are, again, very busy striving. They're like, I need that edge to, to, to kind of keep my energy alive. And so this matter of achievement through thriving versus striving is very confusing to people because you can't just meditate all the time and do nothing. Right. You see examples of people who do that and I know them and that's great and everything and you, you are very on the path of enlightenment but you're not likely to achieve any worldly goals that way unless your goal is to teach meditation or you know whatever uh, there are probably some uh, there are probably some very isolated examples of people who are able to prosper through this practice at that level but it's it's not the norm um, so everything's possible but for most people, you know, they need to keep going through these mechanisms of achievement, and which is block and tackle and doing a lot of small things right and paying attention to the details and differentiating yourself from the others, right? So in the very noisy field that we live in today, the very noisy world we live in today, differentiation, if you're selling something or trying to prosper from something, differentiation is critical. Differentiation comes from creativity. Creativity at its core point comes from a higher spiritual connection and meditation. Because yeah. once we remove this noise that is the trauma of thinking, 
which is what Tara Brock calls it, and I love her work, is the trauma of thinking. And trauma is, is damage. It's injury, right? And the injury that we cause ourselves from overthinking, and look, I'm not immune to it. I just had something happen yesterday that just got a bit in my trauma wheel for a minute. Yeah. Right? And a lot of this is, a lot of this is in this particular case, and most of this is tied back to some kind of childhood trauma that we have. Right. And, <clears throat> but it's also these traumas in our childhood that tend to make us super achievers as well. Right. So, you know, I know your, your husband is a cardiac fellow. No doubt he's a high achiever. Mm -hmm. Right. And this no doubt came from something in his childhood that caused him to need to have this level of achievement. And so we could break down probably five different things it could have been, but, you know, they're fairly typical. But, you know, these traumas follow us throughout our life and this trauma of thinking very often, even if we're on a path of spiritual awakening, very often we can still get triggers that bring this trauma back to us. Yeah. I got triggered on one yesterday. Uh, I didn't experience it for long. I just had to step back away from it and remind myself that it doesn't really matter how this outcome comes about. Whatever happens will happen and it'll be fine. Right? But, and so, because when, as an adult, when you look back across your life, we were just talking about this at my company the other day. <clears throat> When you look back across your life, e even if you're not as old as me, even if you're like 30 and you look about, you know, the things you thought were important five years ago or the people that you were closely associated with five years ago, most of them are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And most of the belief systems that you had five or 10 years ago have evolved. And the things that you thought were really important at that time are really uh, like terrible things that were happening really have no meaning on today's existence, right? Mm -hmm. And had... And you look back, I think, across my career and across my life, you know, all the things that seemed very monumentally important at the time, looking back now, really didn't mean much. Yeah. Uh, they mean a lot at the time, but with the passage of time, they mean less and less. And so, and I also think when you get, you know, when you get to, when you get to the end of the li your life, and I think about this now, I do assessments like I try to imagine what it would be like if I were 90, and how would I, so I do a life, a lot of life planning now looking backwards. So if I were there, you know, I wouldn't have any regrets for anything I've done. I mean, there I've done things that I wish hadn't happened, but nothing that I regret. Mm -hmm. What, what I think I may regret are the things that I didn't do. And so I'm very mindful of making sure I do the things that I think will be important to me when I get to the end of this journey, Right. So, but I know that was a lot of different directions. Uh, yeah. All of them make sense though, for sure. I don't know how much you know about my background, but trauma is a big part of the work that I do with clients. And, you know, you were speaking of like the, the addiction to achievement and how that starts in childhood. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are stuck in that paradigm because there's so much noise about what you should be doing or like you know, the, the path of growth and like always growing, always expanding, always adding more and more and more. And of course we want growth, but there's, there's almost like this, this fear of missing out. If we actually are able to rest in the stability or rest in the present moment that we're going to miss out on the growth. But it sounds like what you're saying, you know, prosperity through thriving versus striving, that is part of the key is being able to like, find that that abundance with where you're at right now and in the present moment and not get stuck in the chase yeah the chase is very seductive um but you know for us in and look we love growth let's be perfectly clear yeah. about it um but you know we have a very we've built a very sound and healthy business and so we don't have to think of growth in the same way that i did when i was striving because we're thriving, I, you know, if we're not growing, if we have bits and spurts and at our size, you're not going to grow in, you know, exactly the same exponential ways you do when you're smaller because it just, the ship's a lot bigger and it right. just takes longer to turn it. And so, 
Um, you know, we, we no, listen, we love growth, but growth has to be the right growth, right? So as an example, we don't care anything about top line growth if it's not profitable because mm. top line growth just requires us to hire more people mm. without greater profitability. And so, and the number one cause of any kind of the overwhelming, other than your trauma, but the overwhelming cause of external pain to you is going to come through interpersonal relationships, particularly from employees. So the fewer you can have aligned on the same message, the less drama you'll have. And just adding people does not, and the more top line you have without a corresponding profitability means you're just adding people to do process revenue, right? So you just yeah. have more people without actually taking more chicken home, right? And so the purpose of a sound business is profitability, mm-hmm. right? And so now you'll have times when you'll invest in growth that decreases profitability, but you shouldn't be chasing revenue, right? yeah. in, in my particular opinion. Now, there's a lot of people who've gotten super rich chasing revenue and then selling the business to somebody else who didn't care. But that's not the kind of business we built. You know, we built a business based on sustainable either. Do you? I mean, chasing revenue. I I don't know if it's the most sustainable business model that exists. I think focusing on profitability is, you know, a lot more long lasting. It is. But so we want to build a long enduring business. Most people enter business today talking about who they're going to sell it to. Yeah. We don't talk about that. Uh, We may sell it at some point, but it's not a focus. You know, our focus is building long-term value for our customers. Our focus is obsessing on our customers. Our focus is obsessing on our product. You know, our focus is obsessing on cultural development for our staff. You know, our focus is on building enterprise value over a long term, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. We may never sell the business. I mean, it could be inherited, you know, it could be run by the next generation of young people who work with, who knows? But we're not sitting around talking about who we're going to sell it to. And that's how most businesses today start. Before they even have a business, they're talking about who they're going to sell it to. Right? Yeah. And so it's just kind of, and I've done that. I just, it just doesn't result in long-term and durable value. But, you know, this, this thing of, of growth, you know, we, for us, we're constantly we're constantly interested in thriving and more growth. Let's be perfectly clear. We make no apologies about it. But our growth is built around a purpose. We have a product that helps people. We have a product that helps a very specific type of person, a person who enjoys wine on a regular basis. We're a wine club, right? We don't sell wine by the bottles. So we're a club. So we sell wine to people who drink on a fairly regular basis. And those are the people who need our help the most. Because if they're not drinking our wines and they're drinking something that is compromising their mind and body. And so when we think about growth, we think about how do we reach more people who need our help? You know, because I just moved to Miami Beach. I told you that. So I've been living in California in this kind of bubble in Napa Valley. And, you know, and and we're the wine sponsor for all for 141 global events in 2019 before the pandemic. And. I'm living in this bubble of health and performance people who all think the way I do and who all follow the same thing. We easy to reach them. And yeah. now I moved to Florida and I've met, you know, hundreds of people who are look and believe a lot of the things I believe in, in the way of health and fitness and spirituality and yoga. And I mean, I meet these people, they've never heard of us. Wow. Yeah. And you know, and, and we're big. I mean, yeah. last year we had 231 million impressions on social media. I mean, we have a big reach, but I meet all these people who've never heard of me or never heard of our company, but they're wine drinkers. And I'm like, and I tell them about it, and they're like, oh yeah, I need to know about that. So we think about how, how do we reach the people who need us that we're not reaching? You know, how do we be better at helping more people? And so we're, because we're purpose-driven in that way, it's not just chasing growth. You know, it's 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 the satisfaction of kind of the purpose of our company, right? Which is to help people who choose to drink wine, yeah, right? To help them have a better experience that's healthier and makes them feel better. And so, yeah. you know, f- 
for us, when we talk about growth, the discussion is not really on revenue metrics. It's on reaching more people who need us. Yeah. I love everything you said about it being purpose-driven and just everything I've known from your company as a consumer, but also now as a partner is you have a very value-driven company, like from the ground up. I know you have a very um, specific hiring process for the people that you do employ. Um, you lab test your wines for purity. You, you know, really go the extra mile to make sure your product is amazing and that you're serving people in the highest way that you possibly can. And so what do you see as like the, the most important thing for you, if we're, if we're talking about the practical sense, of course, we're paying attention to the customer and we're finding out how we can help them to the highest degree. But what do you see on the back end in terms of your role as a leader that has led to your success? Do you feel that the value-driven leadership is really the key or is there something else that you think allows you to be a better leader? Well, I can't take too much credit for it because here's the thing. The Hmm. single most important thing a business does, I mean, assuming they have a business, let's just just say they have some revenue and profit. Let's just assume that they're at least have a mechanism for generating uh, income. Um, Or even before they do, it's still the most important thing. So the single most important thing in executing a successful business is the people you hire. Number one, period, nothing compares. Well, the foundation is having a terrific product offering, right, that people want, this differentiated from the things that they don't know about yet, right? So, the, I mean, fundamentally, you've got to have a great product. But let's say you've gotten past that, which we had a great product. Then, then and I knew it was a great product because people wanted it. And I would share it with people and they wanted it. So yeah, I knew it was a great product. Then in order to grow an enterprise, the single, nothing even comes close. The single most important thing is who you hire, right? And so our interview process typically takes about two months. It's very extensive. There's project work. There's travel. There's both video and in-person presentation. There is the interview of their significant other if they're going to be if they're if they're in a significant relationship we Mm -hmm. interview that person too wow Uh, we also bring them to napa at the end of this two-month process for a three-day we bring them both for a three-day visit to eat and drink and do more work with us Mm -hmm. Um, if we separate from someone if we have an involuntary separation We take the point of view that only two things could have happened. Either we failed to assess the candidate in the first place, or we failed to lead them when they got there. Expansion Mastermind is my favorite container ever. It is my favorite container to facilitate. I absolutely love the transformations that the women inside experience. It is my one of my most transformational containers other than one-on-one coaching. And it is a container in which you get one-on-one access to me. You get monthly one-on-one calls, um, you know, direct access to me in a messenger app called Voxer. In case you can't tell, I do love the deeper inner work and I do love being able to help women shift from doing to receive or like the hustle mentality in business to receiving just to receive, receiving just because you exist, receiving just because you're worthy of receiving, receiving money from your energy and not from, you know, the the exhausting launch strategies or whatever other bullshit you've been putting yourself through to build your business. So to answer your questions, yes, it's 100% possible to manifest clients and money in business. Yes, it's 100% possible for this to be your main strategy when it comes to growing your income. And yes, your life will change if you're willing to do the deeper inner work that we do in Expansion Mastermind to be able to embody and stabilize this and make it more consistent for you. So this mastermind is high touch. It's capped at 10 women. At the time I'm recording this, I don't know how many spots will be available because we are doing a pre-sale for this launch. But right now there is at least one spot available, I'm sure, (laughs) Um, if you're wanting to apply to join us. 
We have shifted this container to have specific enrollment periods. So at the time that you're listening to this, we are open for enrollment now, but we will not be open for enrollment for very much longer. And we won't open up enrollment again until the end of 2022. So this is your your chance to get in now before we close enrollment for the rest of the year until the end of the year. Um, And it is a six month minimum commitment. So if you join for six months, you get to come to our in-person retreat in Miami, and that's gonna be in late September, early October. Um, We will finalize the dates. They're probably already finalized by the time you're listening to this. But we would love to have you. This program includes private healing calls with a small mastermind group. It includes hot seat coaching calls with a maximum of five people per call. It includes, uh, you know, intimate access to me in Voxer. It includes one-on-one calls with me. It includes all sorts of amazing support and access to all of my programs, courses, memberships, everything while you are under contract. So it is my most high touch container other than one-on-one coaching and it's designed for female entrepreneurs who are making at least six figures and are ready to grow expand and quantum leap all the things so obviously i'm obsessed with this container i love it i hope you will feel called to join us and if you are you can do so by going to kristinkasinski.com forward slash expansion Or you can just send me a DM on Instagram and we can chat more. I'm at Kristen Kaczynski. All right, let's get back to the show. So number two almost never happens. But number one can happen because we just didn't get it right. We missed a flag, you know, that we didn't see that. And also, you know, our... Our hiring documents are like 10 pages long, and only a page of that has to do with the actual job description. Hmm. Right? The rest is about our culture, how we think, how we see the world, what our values are, how we put love and light and uh, kindness and meditation at the forefront of everything that we do. So the type of people who also, there's a 15-question questionnaire that must be submitted with their resume before we'll even look at them at all. And that 15-question questionnaire for a good candidate will take them four or five hours to complete it. Mm. Uh, By the time they've edited and answered the questions, they'll have four to six hours in it, sometimes more. And so this is the first, this is the first obstacle we want to put in their way, right? So if they're not willing to invest on the front side, they won't be willing to invest on the backside. So somebody who takes the point of view, well, I'm not going to fill this out because I don't even know if I'm going to get an interview. That's not the person we're looking for. Right. Right. And so the because we're looking for what we call doers. So doers don't know how to do anything but do. Right. So they're constantly adding value. Everything around. They don't sit around. We're going to balance this out with meditation in a moment because, you know, these are people who just enjoy adding value. They like helping other people. Hmm. Now. Yet most companies, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's the 20% of the doers, right? And they don't even mind doing it because they're entertained by being a doer. They like creating value. It gives them internal satisfaction. And so we want to identify who those people are through this process of hiring. Because you can give them, I don't care what their skills are. I mean, assuming that they have basic experience and skills. I don't care relative to if they're great and they're the right people, I'll find a place for them, right? I'm more concerned about finding the right people than the exact skill sets. Now, there's some exceptions to that, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, where highly technical things are concerned as an example. But generally speaking, you know, if they have the right altitude about their attitude, right, and they're they're mindful and, and they want to create value, you don't have to really lead them. Basically, you guide them and you get out of their way. I so, love that. Yeah, because more often than not, where these people are concerned, management simply slows them down. Yes. Right? Because, because they're waiting to get the cue that it's okay to go ahead when they could have already been 10 steps ahead of the process without waiting. Now, these types of people... We'll break some dishes, right? Because if you give them that, 
latitude, then you're going to have to accept some of the consequences that come with that. Most of the consequences that come from it are going to be a high quality work product that moves at a very fast pace. <laughs> Not a bad the, consequence. <laughs> the other part of the consequence is they're going to break some dishes along the way and they're going to do some things that you don't like, you know, that, but that's the expense of moving the ball down the field quicker, right? Yeah. Without, without putting constraints on them. So we like to say we're going to hire really smart people with really good energy and we're going to get out of their way because they'll come up with solutions. I love that. They like to solve problems. So hiring those people and in the beginning, it's more difficult because you don't really have anything to offer them. That's the reason the spiritual journey is so important is because if you can find these people who are doers who want to kind of be in a certain type of environment and culture, they don't care about the money. Mm -hmm. They care more about being with their people. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier because as a startup, unless you're willing to give a bunch of equity away, which we didn't, um, I've done that before. It, I, I, in my opinion, it doesn't work. Uh, not for running the kind of business I want to run. And so you can't pay them a lot because very often you don't have any money. So you've got to attract them on some other basis. You know, if you've got a very successful company with a lot of money and you can often dangle these big paychecks, then it gets easier to, particularly as you need more important talent, it gets easier to recruit those people, right? right. So in the beginning, it's more, you have to be more clever about it. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is understanding who you're hiring. If you don't assess them, if you don't see their skills in advance, giving them project work, we assign typically the same two or three projects to all candidates. They're thought projects, right? Doesn't matter what their relative experience is. So we have the basis, and one's a data project, so we get to see their analytical side. One is a creative project, we see how creative they are. Since we've given these projects to hundreds of people, we know what really great project work looks like, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then, you know, the, their, their kind of their relationship with life, right? Again, because we have all this spiritual communication in our, in our job posting, people already know what we're about and they know if they don't fit it. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, this posting went viral last year. One of our job postings went viral on Twitter, um, you know, because somebody was saying, oh, you know, these people are, you know, too woo-woo and, you know, they, you know, <laughs> Um, they have all these expectations and they're unrealistic and it's like, well, not really, they're not unrealistic for the right person. Right. They may be unrealistic for those of you who don't fit what we're looking for. Right. And that's okay because we're not the right fit for everybody. We're not the right wine fit for everybody. Yeah. Right. We're the right wine fit for people who believe what we believe. And, you know, if you try to be everything to everyone, you're going to be no one to anyone. Yeah. Right. And so, so it's really important to define your values. You know what ours are because you're a customer, a long-time customer. Define what your values are. Put that energy out into the law of the universe through the law of attraction. Put that energy out there. Your people will find you, yeah. right? And you don't need, we have a lot of customers, but you know, you don't need, you need super fans, right? particularly if you're selling a product like ours. but So our, our best customers are evangelists for us. You know yeah. I mean? They're, they're out there telling our story for us for free, right? Because they believe in what we believe in. And, yeah. and they, know our, they, know that our, they know that our commitment to our values is authentic because you can feel it. And that's so true and so important in business. And I think especially now after what we've been through with the pandemic, I think it's going to become increasingly important to really be a values first business. But I know you're short on time. So I just have one more question that's a little more fun for you that I would love to hear your perspective on. Um, so, you know, there's this, this spiritual concept that 
you know, we have to be pure and we have to be a certain way. And, you know, I I've seen people out there who are spiritual, who don't necessarily drink wine. And obviously neither one of us believes that. So talk about like your view on balancing the human hedonism with the, the spiritual purity and like, just some of your, your thoughts on that. Well, I'm a mindful hedonist. <laughs> I, I love pleasure of yeah. all kinds. And the greatest pleasure of all is health and vitality. Mm-hmm. So first of all, we have to be healthy both spiritually, mentally, and physically in order to attain the highest level of pleasure. Because if we're not healthy, um, you know, the, I love the proverb that, you know, a person who is sick only has one wish. A person who's healthy has a thousand wishes, mm. right? And so at the foundation of hedonistic pleasure is health and wellness. That yeah. includes both mental, spiritual, and physical. And so, <clears throat> you know, we, we have to keep harmony and balance. And we're not, this is not going to be, this is not always going to be harmonious and balance is not always going to take place. And when we talk about like work-life balance, we really see this as a circle, not a line with a line. It's there's one tension against the other, always trying to keep the scale, right? Too much work, too much play, too much work, too much. We like to see it as a circle where our values when we're working are aligned with our values when we're not working. Right. And, that the intersection between our work life and our friendship is in is is in that circle so i mean i love the people i work with if i don't love the people i work with i should change the people i work with Mm, right and so this is again back why hiring is so important but the other thing about the spiritual purity you know we we we've got to keep this circle We've got to keep this circle in flow. And so, again, back to people who, like, have got to be super pure in their spirituality and, like, you know, just, you know, it's, it's their constant train of thought. Those people are not going to, to achieve uh, goals in the same way that I want to because they're just, they're, they're, out of, they're out of sync in that circle. They're way, way too much over into their spiritual purity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine for them. Everybody's different. We all have different goals. But it, we have to keep, if we want, if we have ambition and we want to achieve goals and we want to make an impact in the world, then we have, this is this very complicated balance between getting things done, paying attention to the details, differentiating yourself and being creative and being disciplined along with our spiritual foundation of thriving, mm-hmm. Right. And those are not, those are not, those can coexist quite successfully. It's just that we have to be mindful about letting all of them rise to the surface. So if one gets out of sync with the other, out of harmonious, if they get out of harmony, you know, we think of conscious abundance is, is, is how we describe what we do. We have a consciousness about creating abundance and that abundance can come in many forms the abundance of love the abundance of friendship the abundance of chief achievement the abundance of creating a difference in the world uh, an abundance of of peace if we're not at peace then we're going to be at conflict and that conflict could be external or internal and normally most of it is internal and so when that conflict this is really important in the collection of conscious abundance when the conflict which is almost always fear-based it's anxiety of the future generally can be regrets of the past but most of it's anxiety of the future where we're speculating about things that we really don't have enough knowledge to speculate about we're worried about them because we're we because we're wired to be uncomfortable with uncertainty we want to know the answer we don't care whether it's good or bad we just can't live in this zone of uncertainty yeah and so what meditation does is trains us over time 
that when we do face these, these traumas of uncertainty, this speculation, I, you know, I love Terrence McKenna said one time that we don't know enough to worry. Hmm. See, we just don't know enough because all we're doing is speculating about something that we don't know anything about. We're yeah. speculating about all the things that can happen. Most of them will never happen. For all this trauma of thinking and worrying about the things that might happen, they almost never happen. Yeah. But, you know, we spend a tremendous amount of rumination in this process of this film of repeating over and over. And the more we repeat it, the more dr dramatic the outcome becomes. Right? And so on the negative side, I'm talking about. Right. And so meditation, then the power of this really reminds us that we can, that we have silence over the mind. And it doesn't happen when you first start meditating. It takes, it's called a practice because it takes a lot of practice to get there, but it does work. And so we combine meditation along with manifestation of things we want to achieve. So when you get that blockage, what I call resistance, why people don't easily thrive in, in the harmonious state of conscious abundance is because they're creating fear, they're creating resistance through fear and through anxiety of the future, something they have absolutely no control over or, or any knowledge of to even be anxious about it in most cases. It's this self-inflicted trauma of thinking. But when you slow that down, you open up the channels to receive abundance. And that abundance can come in many forms. So you open these channels to receive. When you have fear, you're creating resistance, which blocks the channels to receive. And so it's really important to use meditation to open those channels and to be grateful and to be open to receive the abundance that is your birthright privilege. Mm -hmm. And so most of what, what most of us, um, I fell prey to it yesterday for a couple hours, uh, of creating resistance around speculation on something that I really, I don't have adequate knowledge to speculate on what other people are doing, right? So it's just like you just have to let that go and release. And when you do, you get free of that resistance and you're, and you're able to receive more energy. Look, the, the source energy, everything in nature is connected. Mm -hmm. And their source energy is always connected. You're always connected to it. The question is, are you receiving or are you creating resistance and blockage? And resistance and blockage is created through anxiety and fear. Yeah. And I know you have to hop off, but um, just to kind of wrap it up, I think like leaning into the hedonism and the pleasure of being human and the pleasure of drinking fantastic wine is one way that we can get out of the drama of our mind and like actually enjoy the experience of being alive and enjoy the experience of being human. Enjoy your pleasures. Yeah. Right? There's nothing wrong with pleasure. Don't, you know, guilt is another form of resistance. Yeah. Like, and forgive yourself, right? I mean, that people say, oh, what if I see your 20-year-old 20 20 self? It's like, was real simple. Forgive yourself. You know, learn to forgive yourself earlier. Don't, we're so hard on, on ourselves. You know, yeah. we're, we, we hold ourselves to a much higher standard than we would hold anybody else to in, in, in the mind. Right. We're constantly punishing ourselves for why we can't be better. We're comparing our outside. We're comparing our inside to somebody else's perceived outside. This is very dangerous on social media. Yeah. You know, uh, people present this image as simply not accurate. Right. And then we're like, well, why aren't we having that experience? Well, they're not either. Right. Yeah. They're just doing a better job of creating the perception of it than you. Right. And so, you know, we, we, we've got to get out of our own way and release ourselves into the freedom of having pleasure. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. I mean, we're, we're wired to enjoy and have a pleasurable life, most of us. And so, you know, this, this allow yourself to receive these pleasures. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to be like creating, you know, world change all the time. I mean, <laughs> the Stoics certainly didn't. I mean, the Stoics were some of the great partiers of all time. So, you know, <laughs> It's just keeping that harmony where everything is just okay.
right? My spirituality is enough. My achievement is enough. My love is enough. My friendship and my ability to, I'm just enough. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that you're enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And that's how, strangely, that's how we receive when we, when we know we don't need anything else, when we know we're enough. That's when the resistance is clear. Yeah. <laughs> the, that's when the blockage is cleared, we receive. Yeah. We're not to do anything, actually. It'll come to us. <laughs> that's the difference between striving and thriving. You don't have to go after it. It will come to you if you're ready to accept it. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm going to close out on this, it doesn't mean that you don't have to knock on the door. It doesn't mean that you don't have to go out there and put a little hustle on it sometimes. But generally speaking, if you're open to receive, it'll find you. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you got to knock on the door, though. You can't, like, sit around and just wait on it to come to you. You have you to go to it. Meditating. <laughs> you can't be in your cave meditating. you got to go out Right, you can't be in your cave meditating. Well, thank you so much, Todd. This was amazing. I appreciate your time and I know you have to hop off. Um, if you need to hop off early, feel free. I'm just going to wrap up the show. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the soul expansion podcast. Please give dry farm wines and myself a shout out. I'm at Kristen Kaczynski. They're at dry farm wines. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it with a friend. And, uh, we have a special gift for you in the show notes. We are offering you a chance to get an extra bottle for a penny when you use my affiliate link. So check the show notes for that link and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for honoring your soul's calling today and taking the time to listen to this episode of the Soul Expansion Podcast. If you have a question you'd like featured or have a topic idea, I would love to hear from you. Find me on Instagram at Kristen Kaczynski and send me a DM with your request. Remember, you are a truly limitless being. The limits you see now are only an illusion. Whatever it is that you desire, that's already yours. It already exists in the universe here and now. You simply have to awaken to what you already have. And I hope this episode brought you a little closer to that truth. If you love this episode and would like to give from your heart and appreciation, please take a few moments to screenshot it and tag me in your stories on Instagram or write a brief review on your favorite podcast platform. Your voice truly matters and your feedback helps to spread abundant expansion to a broader audience. And what a gift that is, right? Just think about how much abundance will come back to you if you help a friend experience their own soul expansion. And with that, I just want to say thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'm Kristen Kaczynski and I love you.